Good morning on this Saturday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. We have been talking about Jesus and the cross, the work of the cross in the life of the believer and all that has been accomplished by the cross. We've also been talking about uh, not just his death, but we've been talking about his burial and his resurrection. Now, here's some interesting little facts to consider. Paul, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse number 9 and 10, mentions something that part of it we may associate, the other part we may, uh, by choice, want to neglect or not have to deal with, and that is the fact that uh, most of us don't like to suffer. Now, suffering does not mean that we become some type of crazy person and we just love pain. That's not what we're talking about. But there is a suffering in the life of the Christian that he goes through because of, because of suffering. In fact, the Bible says in the book of uh, about Timothy and Peter, those that live godly will suffer. We're going to suffer persecution, uh, rejection, uh, all kinds of things because of the enemy. And of course, uh, just simply because of the fact that we are Christians, the enemy targets us through temptation, through all kinds of stuff, whether it's a tribulation or whatever comes our way. So we must be prepared with a mental attitude. Let this mind be in you. We must be prepared with a mental attitude that we are soldiers in God's army. And we must be doing the attacking to prevent hostile enemies uh, from taking over the territory that belongs to us or that has been given to us of God. Now, Paul said, And that I be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is by the law, but that is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And of course, we've already made mention a little bit concerning that. The law, I am dead to the law because the law exposes sin. Where there is no law, there is no sin. But where there is a law, then sin is there. But if I'm dead to the law, how am I dead to the law? That I now live by faith. Faith triumphs the law. Therefore, the righteousness that comes by believing God, that is accounted unto us, is greater than, or I actually I should use another word, uh, is is uh, no longer under the influence of the written law because a greater law has surpassed it. And when I say a greater law, I'm talking about the law of faith. The law of God is good. The law of God is spiritual. But they that are going to live by faith have got to understand that we are dead to the law. And we have now been given new commandments and a new law to follow and to live by. And that is to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and therefore we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now Paul goes on to say in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, that I may know him. Now that is that, that, that speaks of intimate fellowship with him, of knowing him as the resurrected Christ. Not as the historical Christ, but as the resurrected Christ, the one that is seated at the right hand of the Father, that is our high priest now, that is also our intercessor, that is also our mediator. Stop and consider, do you know him in any of those three areas? 
How about knowing him completely and fully as our Lord, our soon coming King? See, all of these things are things that Jesus is still doing and accomplishing for us in heaven. He is not just sitting there waiting for time to pass by. He is actually accomplishing these things and working these things out in our lives. Now, the thing is, are we working and letting him work these things out in our lives here on this earth? So Paul wanted to know him, yet in spite of having had visions of Jesus, having been caught up to heaven, having suffered and gone through all that he did, having known the intimate power of the Holy Spirit, he still said that I may know him to be able to comprehend the depth, the height, the width, to be able to understand the love with which Christ loved us that is so immense that he, it can never be known, at least not in a time period uh, of what we would call time. It, will, it would take eternity to know him. But yet Paul wanted to know him. And not only know him, but here on this earth and the power of his resurrection, the dunamis. In other words, not only the power that raised him up, the power that lifted him up and brought him out of hell, brought him out of the tomb, and gave him a new body. He wanted to be acquainted with the power of the living Christ now. Now that he is resurrected, he is unlimited in the scope of his power. He is unlimited in comparison to when he was uh, confined to a physical body and one physical place at a time. Now the resurrected Christ has the power that was enabled or or released or demonstrated in his resurrection. Now, we have to understand that in the book of Philippians, it mentions a little bit about this in uh, chapter number one, when the apostle uh, Paul is talking about knowing Christ and what he has accomplished in us and how God raised him from the dead. This is the way the scripture reads. It says, first of all, uh, concerning uh, what has been accomplished uh, in us or needs to be accomplished in us, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know, that we may know it's a, it, know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Now, here it is. Remember, Paul said, I want to know him and I want to, I also want to know the power of his resurrection. Well, here it is. And what is the exceeding greatness of his dunamis, his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Paul not only wrote that we have our eyes open and our understanding enlightened, that we can understand this. He says, I want to I want you to know and understand what is that exceeding greatness of his power. So when he wrote in Philippians, uh, personally, he wanted to, even though he had seen exceptional miracles, miracles that were out of the ordinary take place, even though he saw the demon, he still wanted to know more. 
And what is the exceeding of the greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his power? And here it is, uh, verse number uh, 20, Ephesians 1.20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him down at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, uh, far above, notice, far above, beyond uh, 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 what they are or were, that he... Uh, power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come and gave him to be the head gave him to be the head and put all things under his feet Uh, he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head uh, over all things to the church which is his body uh, the fullness of him that filleth all in all so as we go back and look at this Paul not only says, I want to know him, I want to know the power of his resurrection, but then he gets to this section right here. And the fellowship of his sufferings, the koinonia that we find in Scripture that is mentioned by the Apostle John in 1 John, he mentions it so much, uh, that fellowship. The fellowship of his sufferings. Now, this we have to divide it into three. Uh, uh, well, we have to divide it into different sections. The first section was uh, before the cross. In other words, all the the rejection that he went through, uh, all the all the the Jews uh, eventually despising him and and saying that he be crucified. There was uh, the according to the book of uh, Isaiah. You know, he he is a man. <clears throat> He's a man that uh, has been rejected. He has been despised. He's a man of sorrow. He's acquainted with grief. We did hide, as it were, our faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In other words, there was a suffering that the master went through, uh, not being understood even by his own family, uh, his loved ones being betrayed by his uh, disciples, his followers, being denied, uh, being sold out. So there there was a suffering. Then there was the physical suffering, the soulish suffering, the soul being uh, made sin for us and, and he uh, pouring out his soul to atone for us. And then, of course, his uh, uh, spirit having gone down into the underworld. So there is a suffering. And Paul says, I want to know the fellowship I want to know the koinonia of that. Therefore, I want to understand what it is to be made conformable unto his death. I want to know what it is to have been placed on that cross with him. I want to know everything to be assembled or assimilated. I guess that's the word for it. To be assimilated unto his death. I want to be rendered like he what he went through i want to understand it because it brings out in me things that are necessary for my spiritual walk now that is the part that many will shy away from i don't want to suffer uh, i i want a christ and i want a christian life where there is no suffering whatsoever there is travail even in prayer 
when a woman is giving childbirth, she is going through travail. There is a tremendous amount of pain and suffering that is taking place in the physical body to bring forth that child. It's not an easy thing, but there is also the knowledge that once that child has come forth, there is that joy. While Jesus, according to Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him in chapter 12, verse 1, he endured the cross. Therefore, getting back to the thought, being made conformable unto his death. Now, that's not the only thing we are made conformable unto. Once we have become believers in Romans 12, 2, it says, be conformed not to this age but be transformed by the renewing of your mind uh, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. And then also in Romans 8, 29, we are made conformable uh, unto him in this fashion. It says in Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many. Now, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but tomorrow we'll, we'll get back along these same lines of thinking. It says in Luke 9.31, it says that Moses and Elijah appeared unto Jesus as they spoke unto him, and they talked to him about his disease. Not a disease, but his deceased trying to pronounce it. The word there, uh, uh, deceased, means to exodus, just like the people of Israel. When they came up out of Egypt, they were dead to Egypt, but it was an exodus that was going to take them through the wilderness, yes, but to the Canaan land, the land of Canaan. So it, they talked to Jesus about his departure in other words, it's not just simply die and be buried and there just be a tombstone for a memorial there, but to be remembered that, hey, there is a gathering together. There is a tomorrow. There is another day coming. That's what they told Jesus. And of course, that's where we talk about uh, his lordship and, and him being our intercessor and high priest and our soon coming king and and all of this, it did not end there. It was just an exodus that was going to take place. And then, of course, he would be glorified and come back again three days. Now, the, the place where Jesus, and, and this is where I'm going to conclude. It says in John 19, 41 and 42. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein never a man had been laid. There they there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation for the day of the sepulcher uh, was nigh at hand. And then the scripture says in Romans 6, 3 and 4, Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into 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 death, that like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should uh, walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. I leave you with this thought. Jesus was planted in the garden, the garden of God. 
the garden that every one of us that is planted by the Father. Remember, every plant that is not planted by the Father is uprooted. Why? Because in a garden, you're going to bring forth fruit. Consider this food for thought and for the imagination. Join us tomorrow on Sunday as we continue there. But until then, the Lord richly and fully bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.